This, 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 this is mythical. Hey guys, we want to give you a little something extra this week. Mm -hmm. You know, Stevie has her podcast, Best Friends Back, all right, that she's doing with her high school best friend, Nagin. And we thought that you as an Ear Biscuit listener would be especially into not just this podcast, but this particular episode, the third episode of the podcast where Stevie kind of gets into the details of what it was like to be closeted in high school and what it was like for Nagin to be her best friend and to not know. And she goes into the details of how she kind of came to grips with that. Yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna play that episode for you, or at least a part of it, so you can just conveniently start listening. But I'm really excited about Best Friends Back, all right, because it's, in a lot of ways, it's like a, a female perspective of kind of like what Earbiscus is for us, you know, two friends reconnecting and then building a stronger connection. And I, I think that's the operable question for them is like, having been friends over 15 years ago, can they rekindle that connection? Can they be the friends that they used to be? And with something like this particular episode, it gets really interesting. I think there's a lot of important things that are shared um, from Stevie's experience that I, I certainly learned a lot and there's bits and pieces of it that I knew from talking to Stevie, but the way that she was able to put that all together and share her experience of coming to grips with her own sexuality, coming out of the closet to herself, I gained a lot of insight there. And I, I do think it's very, um, I think it's an important conversation. So we wanted to share it with you. Yeah, and so in a lot of ways, because what has come to define Ear Biscuits is this friendship and this connection that the two of us have. And also at times being vulnerable about our past and, and what's going on in our lives, we thought that uh, the theme of this episode and the story that Stevie shares would be, is really on brand for Ear Biscuits and for the kinds of conversations that you've enjoyed in the past. So please enjoy this um, piece of Best Friends Back All Right. Welcome to Best Friends Back All Right, the Heck show yeah. where two high school best friends try the best friend thing again. I'm Nikki Homayfad. And I'm Stevie Wynn Levine. Oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot I was continuing. Today, we're going to be talking about being closeted. Wow, what a seamless intro into uh, into being closeted. I think into I nailed a it. <laughs> traumatic part of your adolescent experience. <laughs> yeah, I'm no longer closeted as a bad intro uh, segueer, so that's uh, that's what I'm coming out as today. Um, <laughs> hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm good. I I um I'm excited to talk about what it was like back then because I'm in a good place now. So it's allowed mm -hmm. me. It's going to allow me the freedom to kind of dig in and and uh, and evaluate um, some of the shit that was going on back then. So I'm I'm excited. I always like talking about um, kind of the, the the queer experience. And I hope that there are people listening who can either glean a little something from what we're going to talk about today or roll their eyes repeatedly and perhaps propel something via rolled-eyed energy, and in, in which case that would also be a productive you use can of get this there. time. Let's get there. Yeah. yeah. They could, like, yeah. churn eye ice cream, which honestly is a disgusting thing to say because I immediately am envisioning, like, eye sleep, 
frozen creamy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of disgusting, I'm on my period. (laughs) Oh, ah, yes. That's also what we needed to work into this episode. I'm on my period, and... I'm sorry? It's been a rough day. It's been a rough couple of days. Mm. Literally, like, the energy is dripping out of me. Oh, my... Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It was a disgusting... It has been, like, a difficult, (laughs) difficult couple of days, but something happened that made me go back to high school, and it was such a vivid memory. Okay, so... Was it a pad? It was. So I was rifling through. I was rifling through my my um, bathroom cabinet, looking for a tampon. Okay. Looking for anything that would absorb what was happening to me, and I couldn't find a tampon. And somehow, somehow, I found this like old vintage pad. I do not know. I have not purchased a pad in. Oh my God, Maybe you a found decade. a stranger pad? <laughs> I found a stranger pad. And I had a moment. I had a moment. I had a really fun moment. In that pain, I had, I had a moment where I flashed back to high school when I also wore pads. Yeah. And but they were your I, own at that time. But they were my <laughs> own. They were my own. They were hot pink. And wait, I, what? Yeah, like the, the, the wrapping was hot pink. The oh, inside oh. was a nice, normal, <laughs> nice, normal white. And I flash back to that feeling of walking to the pencil sharpener when you were on the on your period or having to walk up to the front of the room and being so afraid, right, that you were leaking, that somebody could, God forbid, see the pad outline through your oh, pants. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my we, we God. We were wearing some tight pants back then, too. If the pads had been at our ankles, I feel like we would have been okay because there's a lot of ankle space going around in the pants. Yep, yep. But that's the actually not where there, your um, the... vagina is. Yeah. <laughs> Turns not. out. Turns out. Yeah. I would wait. I would wait till a specific moment in class when people were doing work and it was less likely oh that they God. would um, be looking up. That's when I would walk to the front to sharpen a pencil or ask to go to the bathroom because it was just so... I was so self-conscious. Wait, of, can we go back to the stranger pad? Did you use the stranger pad? And can was no, it was God, it I, hot pink? What did it no, look like? No, it was like? white. It was thick. It was like a thick, super like a medical it was, vibe. It wasn't a medical vibe, but it was like a diaper without the band cummerbund. Yeah, cummerbund. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, like a waistline. Yeah. I would have used it. I would have used it if I couldn't find the tampon in the end. Oh, you found a tampon. Because you were leaving me hanging for that that whole story. I mean, I was oh, like, yeah. I hope she is plugged <laughs> up over there because who knows? I eventually found one in the, in the again, in the apartment bathroom. They had like sanitary, oh. sanitary napkins available. You should have taken the vintage pad and then <laughs> barged in it. on, no, barged in on Zach and like, who was here? Who was here? <laughs> Whose pad is this? Were you sitting with someone else who left this pad in the back? We found a we found a really really strange sports bra in our laundry once, and I <laughs> did that whole thing. Turns out we had friends that were visiting, and it was theirs. <laughs> but oh. I was like, "Which ho ho were you sleeping with from the gym? <laughs> Tell me now, Zach. <laughs> Tell me now from the gym." I, I totally know where you're coming from because speaking of sports bra, that reminds me of get when like when you have to get your first bra, which is more of a middle school situation. 
that's like a precursor to the period embarrassment because mm-hmm. I was actively embarrassed about having to wear a bra. Oh, any anything. Were you like not? a padded bra or just a... Uh... No, just, just a bra. No, I, I was excited. Okay. See, I think this is the maybe the like queer woman experience versus a straight woman experience. Maybe. Because okay. to me, having to get my first bra was like really embarrassing, which is so weird. I can't explain why. Because it's not like... I agree. Like society has made period something that you don't talk about and therefore it's very easy to see Not why on this it's podcast. embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but like bras isn't an embarrassing thing. And, and I, I've definitely... Well, where were you buying the bra from? Because if it was Victoria's oh. Secret, I totally oh, get why that would no. be embarrassing. No. Because it's so sexual. This is like a Target situation. Please, for the, like, mosquito nips? No, 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 no. <laughs> there's no... Well, actually, I guess there's some mosquito nip bras at Victoria's Secret, probably. Uh, but no, I-, I think it was... You know, it's a good segue into the topic of conversation that we're having today. Because I-, I think it's a good portion of this is also, I think, about uh, gender identity. And, like, not having the proper terminology, apparently even now, to to talk about (laughs) feeling like different or feeling Mm -hmm. less feminine and more masculine. And I'm only using those terms because I I don't have any other terms that come Mm -hmm. immediately to me. And I think the bra discussion and the period discussion falls into that category of like the older you get as a female these things happen and therefore are confirmation that you are a woman. And I think that as a kid, you know, one of the first things I remember in regards to kind of my perception of my gender or or sexuality was like when I was, you know, first taught, like when I was a toddler, preschooler, there was a period of time where I asked my parents to call me Scott. I was like, call me Scott. <laughs> because I bet Scots were pretty successful back then. I don't know what it was, but like I was embarrassed by being a girl. Like I was embarrassed okay. by being a little girl. And I think that at that age, it's not like anyone's dating anyone or anyone has a perception of that. So like it wasn't like, well, I'm playing with Tonka trucks and I think I want to fuck a woman. Uh, it was more like I'm playing with Tonka trucks and it is embarrassing when you acknowledge the fact that I'm a girl. Yeah. So it would be better for me if you just went ahead and went with Scott uh, for, for the time being. Interesting. So did your parents call you Scott when you asked them to? No. No? So, okay. No. And I think that... Uh, I mean, we'll certainly get to to the the role that my parents played. Um, by the way, they listened to the first episode of the podcast, and, and? I could sense that they weren't going to keep that from me, but then they couldn't, so then they had to say that they listened to it because they were, like, adding some little hints that I was like, I think I talked about that on the first episode of the podcast. And then I put <laughs> it together that, oh, they're trying to, like, hint at me that they listened to the first episode, and and they did. And they enjoyed it. Although my dad, mm. you know, remember the first episode. He didn't like that impression. No, he was Stephanie. He was fine <laughs> with the impression. He wanted to argue the percentage point that he offered of the content of mine that he does not watch. 
I recall specifically him saying, I don't watch 99% of the content you make. And he recalls saying, like, 95. He would like to argue that the four percentage points that I left out leaves a lot of room for content that he watches. And uh, therefore, that, like, yeah, 1% to 5% was unfair to him. So I would like to come back and correct that he doesn't watch 95% of my content, not 99%. Okay. Okay, Mr. Levine, you win yet again. (laughs) Yet again. So, no, they did not call me Scott. But in terms of the Tonka truck of it all, like, I I remember playing with what was, quote, the boys' toys. Like, I was always Ken when we played Barbie. I was always the dad when we played House. I always wanted to Mm. be that traditionally, like, male role. Okay, interesting. Whereas I always always wanted to be the mom. I did not want to be the baby. I always wanted to be I did not want to be the baby. I it's didn't that want to be damn fucking uh, cummerbund. Who wants to be the baby <laughs> when that's what you have to I wear? I wanted to wear the pad in the family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you remember that American Girl doll book? You know the book, the puberty book? Oh, no. Oh, no. my God. Really? Mm-mm. You don't remember? It was fully illustrated. And it was like a puberty book for girls. And it was by, wow. it was under the um, the American Girl, uh, you know, brand. And there was right. a whole centerfold of illustrations <laughs> of, in, yeah, I say this because it was uh, step-by-step guides of inserting a tampon with illustrations. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That That's book, so, that book you was know, eye-opening wonder- for me. <laughs> That's so smart. I mean, I never, I was never exposed to that. I also had an older sister. I do think having an older sibling who has gone through similar milestones is a huge advantage in some ways, right? Because you see them go through it and go through the awkwardness of it. And then you can course correct. Was she helpful to you in those moments? Like, were you like, oh, you're a mentor to me? Like, I just started (laughs) my period. What do I do? Or like, or... No, not. I mean, now she is. She's an OBGYN. So I ask her all of those questions. <laughs> You're like, Back how do you then, she was not a trained tampon. physician? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't allowed to wear tampons. Oh, so the tampon thing was like that. It was I mean, culturally, like, I don't know. I'm saying it's cultural, but I don't know any other Iranian girl that easily got to insert a tampon without there being some like slight hesitation, like. Tell, tell me it more about like that. It seems like it's like a woman's the, thing. I mean, it's the like penetration uh, aspect of it? I think so. I think so. And it's like the way they grew up and they mean my mother and women of her generation in Iran. I don't think I should look this up if tampons even existed in Iran. But mm. it was like the way they did it. And I think for a lot of immigrants, when they come to the United States, there's this like holding on to the way things were done, mm-hmm. um, like a strong holding on and a tampon is probably like, we're not going to let that straw break this camel's back. <laughs> this is like too womanly to do something like that. So you think it was that and not, there's no like medical question or like, oh, this works perfectly well, so you don't need that type of thing or... or oh, I think that, I think She's like, this is what I do and this works for me. Yeah. So yeah. you should just do the same thing. But I remember 
being curious about a tampon, but being scared of it too because of the penetration. I'm like, <laughs> how do you, what if it gets lost? All of the, you know, there's, yeah, all, we could have a whole conversation about, about the yeah. things we put in our body to, to be woman on our body to be women. Oh yeah. The long list of things I've lost in my vagina. I mean, it could, we could go an hour and, and, and honestly, <laughs> maybe a little show and tell, you know? And you can, you can American tell me. American doll grown up version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell me what things are because Lord knows they've been up there for so long. It's probably hard to decipher what's up there now. But it sounds like <laughs> you had these feelings of not fitting in at an early age. Well, I don't know if I would classify it as not fitting in because I think that as a kid, you're, you actually are very accepting of other people. So like when mm -hmm. I wanted to be Ken, great, we need a Ken and we're not playing with boys. So like oh, people great. will let you. Okay. Yeah. It's I like, thought there oh, was that's, resistance. That's perfect. No. Okay. And, and, um, you know, I think that it, it, it's something that extended through middle school. And I, and I remember, I remember saying to myself, I'm going to fit in in high school. Like, because, you know, I went to such a small school and I kind of was the class clown of the 12 people in my grade. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was, you know, boys in middle school wear soccer shorts when it's really freezing outside and it makes no sense. That's how I was. Like, it wasn't like um, I didn't fit in because it's hard, like, not to fit into a group of 12 people that you've grown up with. So it was just like that was my niche. I was the I was right. the class clown that wore the soccer shorts and was a tomboy and like it all worked out fine. Mm -hmm. But taking that with me into high school seemed like an impossibility. Like why? Why, why did you think you had to change something about yourself did you know something about Grimsley I think it was an insecurity that if I you know if you don't fit in then people you're going to isolate yourself like you want to have friends you want to be accepted and so mm -hmm. you do things in order to fit in to be accepted by other people yeah but I think luckily for us this like preppy thing was in at the time and it's very easy you know to to wear a polo or an oxford and not feel like tomboyish necessarily but you know the boys are yeah. also wearing oxfords and polos so it was like very easy in that way to kind of you know skirt the line a little bit totally and that's what was being, I mean, I remember you were always wearing like American Eagle. American Eagle. I feel Eagle. like American Eagle was your favorite brand. You uh, only because my parents couldn't afford like Abercrombie or Hollister. Like, you know, so American Eagle was like, you know, the the <laughs> semi-affordable version of the of the other two brands that well, were so God, cool. thank God you didn't do Aeropostale. Yeah. Because, my goodness. No, but you were always, you had a uniform. And yeah. it was always like a, a collared something with distressed, tight-ish jeans. Yeah. Which was Which a was uniform what was that, being sold. Exactly. That most people were, were wearing. So That was on the mannequin. Yeah. But like, you know, it, yeah. to a certain extent, like that was like a classic look. Like a polo is like a pretty classic look. So you're not like, I mean, I think it was trendy at the time, but it, the, the point was I fit in. You know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't, you weren't like, oh, look at that fucking lesbian. And, and so, sorry, at this point, <laughs> coming into high school, did you know you were gay? I think I always knew I was different. I think I did know. 
I think there's certain things that happened during high school and moments that I had that were confirming. But I think it was really difficult to admit to myself. I think part of it has to do with the conservative Southern setting that we were in. Not just being a closeted gay kid, but like, you know, we talked about how the 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 majority of people were Baptist, Methodist, Christian. Mm-hmm. And I remember I lived across the street from neighbor girl. So it must have been right before our freshman year. And our parents were like, oh, you girls are going to Grimsley together. You live across the street like you should hang out or whatever. And I remember going over to her house and she was hanging out with another girl and they were on their little the staircase and the foyer in this traditional house. And I walked in and I was obviously nervous because I wasn't friends with these girls, but I was like, you know, wanted to hang out. And the first thing this girl says to me is, are you scared of going to hell? (gasps) And I was like, what? And she was like, are you scared of going to hell because you don't believe in Jesus Christ? Oh my gosh, so she was mad that you were Jewish. She wasn't even mad. She 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 was genuinely asking me. Like there was okay. no there was no hate behind her question. She was taught that if you don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell and that Jewish people don't believe in Jesus. So she was just genuinely curious like how does it feel? knowing that you're going to go to hell. And I'd never like I knew that obviously I'm I'm Jewish, I'm not Christian. That makes me different, but I'd never been confronted like to my face in that particular way. And I wow. think that that's like a good setting of the scene for the general vibe, you know, around us at the time was like it was it was weird that I was Jewish. It wasn't weird to us. It wasn't weird to like our our friend group, right. but it was weird to you know, the majority of of people around us. And so, like, that conversation, like, you know, I, I honestly, to my credit, was like, I'm going to explain to her why I, I, I don't believe in hell and I'm not going to hell. And, like, actually, I don't think that that's true. And we, like, had, like, a, a, a civil exchange because, again, she wasn't coming from a place of, of hatred or anything. But, like, I think imagine being Jewish but then being closeted and gay, which honestly was so much worse to 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 be in in the eyes of like this kind of southern christian conservative lens is like mm-hmm. you don't believe in jesus and also you're gay like man like i mean looking back i should probably toss that in like you know, I actually am extra scared because I'm also <laughs> gay. Let's hang out. <laughs> School's going to be fun, ladies. Wow. Have you guys seen that American Girl book? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that, um, you know, I was very aware that that I was different, not just just because I, I, was, I was gay. And I think that at Grimsley specifically, I can't I, I didn't know anyone who was gay. Did you know anyone who was gay? I can't recall, but I looked in our yearbook and I saw that we had and I remembered this, but we had a um, gay straight alliance, yeah. GSA. And I remember there being one, but there were a number of people <laughs> one gay? in the oh. <laughs> No, there were a number of people in the club, which yeah. to me means like this 
group, I don't know, it could have been 20 to 30 people. Really? Yeah. Well, I'll See, say I don't, I don't remember that at all. I don't remember. I don't remember open that up, being a thing. Open up 2006 yearbook. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like open up your mind. <laughs> open up your mind. No. No. So seeing that made me realize, okay, there was a group of people who, I mean, it's a gay straight alliance, but there were people that were either out or outwardly accepting yeah. of gay culture. So that's really cool, especially in an environment like yeah. the one that we were in, because also those years were kind of crazy. So in the, in like the world or in, the in world. Yeah. 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 2002 to 2006. I mean, you brought up our president Bush with yeah. the pretzel story, but like he, <laughs> in 2004, he tried to pass an amendment that would forbid same-sex marriage Yeah, uh, in the constitution, in the constitution. It's because whoever baked those pretzels was gay. He got mad. Yeah. He got mad. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm really curious how the, what was going on in the greater world outside of Grimsley, outside of Greensboro affected mm -hmm. the way you perceived yourself or your, your comfort with coming out. Well, and my, my parents were, were Bush supporters. Like that's the other weird thing is that my, my parents are, are conservative Republicans, which is weird as a, as a Jewish kid, but like, yeah, they, they, they have always been. So like, that was also a big thing is it. It wasn't just like the world I was surrounded with was conservative. My my parents are conservative. Your parents, like it, yeah. you know. Ear biscuits is supported by AC Pro. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows out hot air. The issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with an AC Pro. Can I ask you, um, we talked a lot about like the Christian context and how that was limiting. What about the Jewish context? Like, did you go, what were, what, what was the temple or the synagogue saying yeah. at that point about homosexuality, if anything? In general, unless we're talking like Orthodox or like Hasidic Jews, Judaism is very accepting of, of same-sex relationship. So it was never a part of any teachings or rhetoric or anything like that. Because the other thing is like, you know, normally Jewish people tend to be very liberal. So the people that I grew up with were, were very liberal people. Yeah. And I, I do remember one of my teachers at school was gay. Middle but, school. At middle mm -hmm. school. But, but, but it wasn't a topic of conversation. And I don't have any specific memory it's not like my parents were were homophobic at all. It's not like that was a discussion in my household, which I know for a lot of kids and a lot of people listening right now, it is like they have actively homophobic parents that push this rhetoric that, you know, if my if my kid ever comes out like they're getting booed out of the house or or. You know, and so that that was not the case for me. It was not a blatant statement for my parents. And my parents are not, I mean, obviously, because I'm very close with my parents now. But I, I would say they're, they're, which I know there's, this is problematic to say, I would say they're socially liberal, but mm -hmm. they're politically and 
which doesn't make any sense, but they're accepting of of me and um, they're not people that hate other people, period. So mm-hmm. there was never a discussion in my house that like being gay is wrong. It just wasn't discussed, you know. Right. And I yeah. so I think that by not discussing it, there was this giant gray area where if you are a closeted kid, your mind doesn't go to, there's a gray area. Let me go to the side where they love me and everything's fine. <laughs> you go right. to the side where, no, they're conservative Republicans and they're going to hate me and disown me and, I, mm-hmm. and I've and i disappointed them. And, you know, we both talked a little bit about the pressure that we had to succeed academically and, and be good kids in general. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, does a good kid come out Hmm. not in their world in my world back at that time like that's a that's a strike like man what's the point in me you know having great grades and being a good person if I'm gonna be gay wow but it's also that like at Hmm. the time there wasn't like a lot of representation either like you can't it's not like a a kid in high school is like well Ellen exists (laughs) you know it's not like well if Ellen can do it (laughs) to that end I want to see how like if if any of these things stir up some memories for you because the the 2002 to 2006 period of pop culture representation is super white Mm -hmm. super white and it has come a long way queer representation in our culture but let me let me give you a few little fun fun facts of those okay Okay, 2002, we have Rosie O'Donnell coming out as a lesbian. 2003, we have the Ellen DeGeneres show that starts. And then the much-beloved queer eye for the straight guy. So we have two lesbians so far and a group of gay men. And then the L word comes out in 2004. Did you watch that? Do you remember watching this and feeling anything? So I I have multiple multiple stories but the one that i would come later to find out basically my dad is like a computer nerd so he set up our tv screen in the den at the time he like connected a computer to it because smart tvs weren't a thing so he com- connected the computer to the tv and you could pull up the internet and and search things and like it was like Chromecast before Chromecast. Yeah, it was just essentially like this is the is just using the TV as a monitor. But at the yeah. time it was like, oh this is awesome. So we used to pull up YouTube and just search for trailers and and different things. But you know that the search history stays on there when you like type into the little browser thing. And one time I remember I was looking for something and I saw in the search history it said like the L word something. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm like, that's weird. I don't know what that's about. And I, I know what the L word is, but I did not search for that word. And I would not do that. And then years later, it, I think it came up in conversation at some point because my parents knew and they had like referenced that they had also stumbled upon that. But it wasn't me. It was, was it your sister. sister. <laughs> it Go was my Jess. sister. <laughs> and okay, so the other thing is, you know, going to the video store it used to be my favorite thing to do. And I was obsessed with seeing everything that would come out. 
And I remember walking down the aisles and I would go into the new release section and there would be some days where I'd seen every single movie in the new release section and there'd be one new movie that I hadn't seen. Like I was just obsessed with like all things content, of course. Um, (laughs) But I remember specifically seeing the covers of the DVDs for Mm -hmm. The L Word and intentionally being like, don't look at that. (laughs) Wow. I see it exists. And also, like, their covers, especially in the early seasons where they when they were like really hanging on, like, this is a group of attractive lesbians. Don't you want to watch them? (laughs) Their promotional materials were like they're all naked. And, of course, you can see bits, but it was like, hey, how about we just, you know, bring all these attractive women together, take all their clothes off and then pile them onto each other for the DVD cover. (laughs) So you can't even like pretend to rent it because you thought about it was like it about was so female blatant. empowerment and friendship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's about love. Uh, wow. But yeah, so the, the L word was the L word and Ellen, that was the representation mm-hmm. that I had at the time. So it's like, yeah. are you an older comedian with a daily talk show? Is that what you want to be when you grow up? Or do you want to be a hot lesbian piled on other hot lesbians? I feel like you have Which found a happy both. medium both. between the two. <laughs> <laughs> you should write a letter yeah. to these women for inspiring yeah. your in life. That is really funny. That is really freaking funny. I feel like that would be, that's a great pinnacle it's of your, my... It's your, it's your tagline. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell meets the entire L Word cast. <laughs> oh, you're going with the Rosie over the Ellen? I'll take that. You know, oh, I, sorry. I, I'll take I it. I really was thinking Rosie this whole time. Oh, okay, great. I think I thought maybe that was, that was the... that's better, maybe. I mean, or worse. I don't know. I mean, whatever. it depends. How do you treat your employees? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) Um, I remember, so Brokeback Mountain also came out when we were in high school. I saw that I remember that, okay, I remember that being a, what I would imagine would be a negative experience for a closeted person because people were really mean in high school about that movie. It was... I don't recall that. I remember because Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal had a... Uh, sex scene. And I remember there were so many derogatory jokes mm. about the two of them and how it was disgusting. And hmm. I would imagine hearing that would be just like, you know, not exactly yeah. helping the cause of, of coming out. I saw that movie three times in the theater. <laughs> it was a cinematic masterpiece. It's funny because at Grimsley, I did not know anyone who was gay. And in fact, the only time I remember encountering anything gay was two women on the women's basketball team. When I was walking to class, I remember seeing them like making out with each other and being like, what the hell? Whoa. And also these are like gigantor women, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't right. like, oh, it was like, ah, <laughs> like, <laughs> It was like there. That's something that I don't see every day, and uh, avoid it like the L word DVD. <laughs> but one of my good friends in high school, and someone that I that I hung out with for the majority of my senior year, is um, art school boy. Yeah, did he even go to our school? 
He he did not okay. go to our school. So yeah. he went to kind of the arts high school, which I really wanted to go to. And over at the arts high school, things were a lot different oh, than at Grimsley. Yeah. Um, and so we knew each other through uh, the majority of like the theater stuff I did was actually through the city and not necessarily through Grimsley. So we knew each other through theater, through the city, and we became good friends. And then I remember specifically when he came out to me. Um, which is so weird because, of course, he was gay because, of course, that makes sense. But yeah. it still was like, oh, it still was a moment of like, oh, I'm I'm having to readjust how I think about you somehow, even though that doesn't affect anything. But w- once I became close friends with him, I think it actually helped me in a lot of ways because I also was able to view things through the lens of having a gay guy friend as my as one of my good friends. And so we saw Brokeback Mountain together a few times. And so I don't think I was conscious of of that kind of gay slur part of of the world, which I'm sure was happening at Grimsley and in our broader friend group. But I think because I was friends with him, that's the lens I was viewing everything through. Right. And we weren't surrounded at that moment by those things. So I, I have to ask, you said he came out to you in high school, right? Yeah. Did that open any kind of window of opportunity for you that you wanted to take to also come out? No. And I think it I think partially because I was not ready myself. Like I I still was in this like, I think that I'm gay, but like I there there's like a lot of coming out to myself that I needed to do. And when he came out to me, I still had a process that he was coming out to me, which is absolutely ridiculous, because of course. So I, I just don't think I was in the, the state to go, oh, now that you've done that, it's my turn. Mm-hmm. But also, like, he was, like, my alternative friend. Like, he didn't go to Grimsley. He was the, my theater bud. He was, like, you know, a gateway into another group of, of people. But he wasn't, like, my everyday reality. Like, he, I didn't go to school with him. Um, so, yeah. so And I think that when it comes to our specific friend group— it certainly is not at all like I felt like you would judge me, but also it was very easy to stay closeted because, as we touched on, none of our close friends were dating and they weren't having sex and they we didn't really talk about that. And so it wasn't like, oh, we're all talking about dating and having sex with with boys and Stevie's not. And... I know. You know, a studious Iranian girl who doesn't have time or permission to date is the perfect companion <laughs> for a closeted lesbian, okay? My plan worked the whole time. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't like that part wasn't weird. Like, I didn't feel weird because I wasn't dating boys for the majority of high school. I felt like, oh, that's what you you weren't doing. No one was. No. Lucinda Melvin wasn't really. Yeah. Like it wasn't a thing. And in fact, like it felt a little bit, you know, we would judge the girls who were like there was like some slut shaming that was going on back then. What were we doing? What were we saying? I think it was just that. I think it was like the use of that word that if you had any kind of sexual experience, you were a slut. And that's <gasps> just the lens that we viewed things through. And it's so indicative of of the people we were surrounded with and the in the in the conservative vibe we were surrounded with. But like, yeah, I remember 
it was easy for us not to do those things because there was an air of doing those things is wrong. And it wasn't just that we were getting it from our our parents. It was just that was the surrounding temperature was like the whole not having sex until you're married, like the the view of what dating was. Yes, but I also think we were freaking scared of all of that stuff. Oh, I know I was. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because, I mean, people were, people were dating in high school, like plenty of people were doing some hanky panky. Yeah. Right. Some version of it. And we were just not about that because it also was like, you know, a boyfriend is a gateway drug to drinking and bad grades. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, to your point, I, I see how it was easy to, to avoid kind of the whole dating conversation because it just wasn't, it wasn't a priority for any of us. Yeah. No matter if we were gay or straight. Did you think I was gay? No. When you came out to me, I remember when you came out to me. I, I don't remember. I think it was 2008. It must have been summer break because I remember being barefoot, walking down the driveway, and you called me. That is so kind of me. <laughs> I really did it formally. I did it the right way. I was like, you know what? Not a text. Yeah. Not an AI. I really appreciated message. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, I have some serious. No. And I, I, I don't remember the exact words you used. But I remember you came out to me and you were at that point one of a few friends who had come out to me um, in college. And so Mm. it wasn't my first time having that conversation. But I remember it being, I mean, you must have been so nervous. Yeah. I mean, because come on, this idea that like no one else, I don't have to call people to say, (laughs) hey, I just want you to know (laughs) That I'm a heterosexual. <laughs> like yeah, this idea that you so have to call up. to put your sexuality on yeah. a on a on a plate yeah. for someone you're not even sexually attracted to. Yeah. Is so freaking ridiculous. As, as if it changes like anything else. Right. I'm telling you so you know I'm a lesbian. <laughs> you can you can wear different clothes as a result. I mean, like, what the hell? I'm so sorry that you had to do that and that people have to do that. But I remember it being a positive conversation and getting off the phone, smiling. And then I think I went in and my parents were like, oh, who was that? I was like, oh, it's Stephanie. She's a lesbian. They're like, oh. She she told me that she's a lesbian. They're like, oh, okay, nice. Okay, so we're going to break back in at this point and encourage you to go over and Follow, subscribe, whatever it's called, wherever you listen to your podcast. And finish this uh, particular episode. Yeah, so uh, in the rest of the episode, I I love it when I'm listening to a podcast and someone says, I don't think I've ever said these things out loud. I applaud Stevie for for being willing to share those aspects of her experience. And also Nagin for being such a good listener and for being supportive. And I think that's a great example too. So as you continue to listen to the episode, Stevie shares a story of um, rejection. Mm. Oh yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. And there, there's some clarity in that. So, but she put herself out there and I applaud her for it. And I applaud Nagin for how she was a great listener and being supportive, even though she didn't know what was going on uh, at the time, you know? Yes. Yeah, so thank you for listening to this uh, portion of Best Friends Back All Right. And 
Like Link said, go over there, subscribe, follow, finish the episode, and we hope that you will continue enjoying Best Friends Back. All right. All right.